0: everybody. Welcome to My Ed Tech Life. I am your host, Fons. You can find me at TechTeacher1381. And it's just a pleasure to have you here on our show today as we are live on YouTube. We're live on Periscope. So come by, check us out. Well, most of you are probably already watching, but go ahead and tell your friends, share it out because we have a great show today. We've got Mr. Bruce Riker who is joining us. And Bruce uh, has just now and him and i have just recently met due to you know this pandemic and you know it's just been a great uh forming relationship now and it was just a pleasure to have him on our show today and he's going to go ahead and share a little bit about himself he's got some great upcoming projects but our topic today is going to be video creation for remote learning and i couldn't think of a better person to bring into our show today also as bruce is very knowledgeable in this as He is a video productions teacher as well in his district, but he'll go ahead and tell you a little bit more about himself in just a second. First of all, I just wanna give a shout out to all of our audience members. Thank you so much for all of your support as our show continues to grow. Thank you so much, a special shout out to Darren White, Ben Moore, Mary Alice Caron, and Javier Balan, who will be on the show later this week. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but now Bruce, The floor is yours, my friend. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. And go ahead and tell us or tell our audience a little bit more about yourself, Bruce.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. And uh, I like, you know, everyone calls it a PLN and that is the right name of it. But I really like how uh, Sarah Thomas from EduMatch, she's like renamed it as a PLF, Personal Learning Family. And I think that's what a lot of people have like turned into is, yeah, it is a network, but is as much a support group, wellness group, family, you need something, you could tweet someone out, you could DM someone and uh, get information back, you know, very quickly. Uh, So I'm Bruce Reicher. I'm here in Northern New Jersey, about 10 minutes from New York City. And I've been teaching for 25 years. And uh, luckily enough, I went uh, to University of Hartford. For undergraduate and have a bachelor's in radio and television way before teaching was even in the horizon. I was the type of kid who, at the time, went to bed with like a radio. Think how things have changed with a radio under the pillow, listening to a sports game and figuring one day I would love to do sports casting, which is what I went to college for and then did a couple years wow. after school. And um, the dots do, you know, connect. Like, who would have known? So many years later, teaching wasn't even something I had thought about, and luckily enough, uh, in a school district in New Jersey, there was an opening in a middle school uh, for a TV studio where they had the show running, and they were looking for someone to help you know, run the show and also teach the class at the same time. So once I started doing that, my two worlds kind of came together where I said, this is great. I could teach TV production at the same time, doing tons of um, different technology tools and whether it be digital citizenship, coding, along with video production. Uh, That's where I've been, you know, the last uh, 13 years. And I was lucky enough, 13 years ago, I got into a school where they had a lot of legacy equipment that was donated to the school. And by legacy, older equipment, I mean, Fonza, the cameras took VHS tapes, like this was older, this was their old equipment they were donating. And uh, luckily I had come into that. I had previous experience from another school working with similar equipment. And now 13 years later, we've upgraded everything in the studio. I mean, everything from cameras, video switchers, all that equipment. Now everything is digital, everything's 4K. We use Blackmagic Studio for a video switcher and also for the cameras. And um, I'm super proud of the students there that we've done a live show for 12 years and by live after the first week of school, live every single day. So 170 shows a year, you multiply that by 12. We have over 2,000 shows, the six to eight minute newscast every morning. The eighth grade students take it as a class that they've done live. And um, I get like the biggest kick out of it myself and the other teacher, Jonathan Harvey, an enrichment teacher, does the show with me. And we are pure facilitators. Like we're on the side and we're, you know, the kids are doing the show and we're helping them, but they're really. The camera people, the behind the scenes, the everything. And um, we're as we talk today, I really think creating media is one of the highest levels of learning that you could do to take it through the whole design process, to make something from scratch. There's a bunch of SEL also, which I think is really important in there for students to feel good about themselves, what they're creating. And I really think creating media is the way to go for any curriculum area. It doesn't have to be just for the media teacher, but any subject that you teach, there are so many terrific tools that we're going to talk about that you can use, uh, you know, to create media. And right now, I'm just at a, I'm in summer mode, which is professional development mode. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I wouldn't be on with you. I would be in my car going to an ed camp. And for me personally, you know, the world is flat. This is like a 24/7 ed camp that you can go to more than you have time for to any of these conferences, which most of them are still free and really learn and grow and then, you know, share out what you learned. And that's basically, uh, you know, my goal of all this of just learn as much as I can. Luckily, I get to teach it in a school, see how the students react to it, and then uh, share out as many tools as I can.
0: Wow, that is amazing, Bruce. Like, I just love your enthusiasm. And um, it, it was just hilarious. Like you said, you know, this has now turned out to be like a 24-7 PD session for all of us teachers now that you know, due to not being able to drive anywhere or go to conferences. So just meeting each other online and, um, you know, big shout out to Global GEG, because that's the way that you and I met, even though I followed you on Twitter prior to this. But now when uh, we met at the staff room just to have just a wellness chat, just keeping it light, keeping it simple, just, you know, getting things, you know, just off our chest, you know, and it was just great to finally have met you in person and just to hear the great things that you're doing in your district. And, uh, you know, and of course your amazing resume, because I did pop in, uh, Bruce's site guys there in the chat. So if you get a chance to, I'll come, I'm going to go ahead and pop it in later because he's got some amazing resources and he's definitely all about sharing. And I think one of the things that I love that he said is just, uh, Being able to create in that creative process, whether it's video, media, content, there's just so many elements there that is wonderful for students to be able to learn. So we're definitely going to be talking a little bit about that too as well. So uh, Bruce, let's go ahead and just talk a little bit about your experience as far as, I know you told this uh, video production, but now during this time of uh, remote learning, distance learning, You know, how did video play an important part as far as getting your students the content that they needed to continue their learning? What were some of the tools? What were some of the barriers? Just go ahead and just, you know, give us give us your perspective. We want to see things from your lens.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, from the teacher educator perspective, I think in the beginning I did what everyone else did I said, wow, this is amazing, we have all these free tools, let's start using all of them, I could use a piece of this here, a piece of that there, and do a lot of pre-production that I was producing for students to go watch. Um, Soon did I discover that even for myself, and this is a rule for anyone, if you think something's gonna take you an hour, it might take you two or three hours to produce something that you want to put out there. And I soon discovered for my own workflow, if I'm teaching um, coding, we use a product called Codesters, I, could, I stopped rec- pre-recording anything live, myself anything myself. And instead, it, whether I was going into um, Zoom, Google Meet, whatever the tool may be, I just started recording all of those sessions live. So if I'm teaching a session on video production, coding, digital citizenship, I recorded the whole lesson live and then on a MacBook, downloaded it, Zoom recorded it in QuickTime, which is free. There is a tool where you can just edit trim Trim out the beginning, trim out the end. And I'm really into trying to get the best workflow that I can. Within five minutes, I had the lesson reposted back up to Google Classroom, whatever it may be. And then the students who weren't there, because it definitely is asynchronous learning, they're not all there at the same time, they could watch a video of the whole lesson. So out of these like 15 minute mini lessons, first couple minutes and last couple minutes, I would say hi make sure all the students were okay, but the piece in the middle of doing the lesson, instead of pre-recording it and try to put in all the bells and whistles, I just went with exactly what was on the screen when I shared it. And that really saved me a lot of time you know, with workflow. In terms of the students that I had, I had to do like a full 360, like the video production that we do was uh, in a marking period. Um, they come every other day, so approximately 20 classes There'd be three sections at once. One section would do the show. The other two sections would be uh, producing content for the show. And then, like I said, we did the show every day where we would interview someone or there'd be um, a video content played on it. Well, all of that changed where we went to a format where we did a show once a week. Uh, We did have students on the show who, actually we coached over Zoom before they would record anything, um, just to make sure that their recordings were done in different places and basically brainstorm, give them different ideas of where they could record. And it was a much different workflow that now once a week, we were like pushing out a show. And for the students, instead of doing stories just about the school, which is what we had really Mm -hmm. done in the past, now um, I really like, and I saw this on Twitter, start doing choice boards, which is what I went Mm -hmm. to exclusively of, here's a choice board for the next month, choose two out of the six things, whether it's a commercial public service announcement, Uh, Maybe something for Earth Day at the time, I'm thinking, you know, during that month and all very, very short things like 30, 60 second things. No, you know, none of these full two and a half minute features that had a lot of different requirements in it uh, to be able to teach the students to do, you know, cutaways and picture in picture. And a lot of the cool things that you could do in WeVideo, Um, the students still could do those but I had to kind of layer back a little bit. And I think everyone had to do this to a certain extent that obviously to me, if you're in the classroom, that's 100% the best teaching that you could do. And once you go remotely, it's to kind of like, let it go a little bit. Yeah. And I'm no longer going to have students creating two and a half minute features with a cutaway for every single interview and lower thirds and all these other requirements yeah. that I have them do just get their content out um, and tell their story. And it's really cool what happened is now the weekly show that we started doing, the content is very, very rich because now I also had the PE teacher every week, the guidance counselors every week, the music teacher every week, along with the students work. So if you think about it, instead of programming 170 days or shows, mm-hmm. now you're programming one show a week for you know over the three months. We only did 10 or 12 shows. The content of the show was incredible and in fact, We had more content that we could choose from, you know, to put in a 10 or 12 minute uh, show that we were producing weekly. The other thing I want to point out is really any curriculum area, do media projects with your students. You know, it's higher level learning. They have to almost like go through the whole writing process. They have to go through the whole process of coming up with an idea, brainstorming, planning it out, filming it, editing it, and then finally publishing it you know, that is so much more powerful to show their understanding, even of any content topic, you know, instead of just taking a graded test that they're going to hand in on a Google form and it will grade it for them. Um, I understand some assessment is needed, but I definitely think it's a higher level learning for everyone to, um, you know, get students to do media projects and look, fun. you're in their wheelhouse. Like they know how to use the ca- their own cameras on their phones mm-hmm. better than I do. So you're not giving them something that's foreign to them. You might just be raising the bar with what you want them, you know, to produce. Um, you know, but the tools that they have are are incredible.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, what you said is just. Nowadays, they all have, like you said, mobile devices. Even while I was in the classroom, and and I truly believe your statement. You know, being in the classroom is definitely very important. And uh, I always did media projects with my students. I was that one teacher that at our campus that not a lot of teachers liked because I had the Chrome uh, the Chromebook cow checked out the whole year. At the last, my last year that I was there t- teaching in the classroom, I think my students reminded me and said. Mr. Mendoza, I think that this year you only had like, you didn't have the cow for three days. And I think those were three days that I was out because I always had the Chromebooks and I always had them and I was a science and social studies teacher. So everything that I did, we did media projects. Uh, We would do Google slides. They would create videos. They would just get really hands on because to me it was a learning artifact. It was a way for me to be able to see them, um, show their learning process because we all know not every student learns in the exact same manner so what i wanted to do is i wanted to dive in deeper rather than just being the the sage on the stage and giving them just all the information i wanted to see how they interpreted that information and if I was doing a good job in giving them that information because I wanted to fix any misconceptions that maybe I didn't know. Maybe I was either saying something incorrectly, maybe the students weren't understanding. And sometimes students don't want to raise their hand, they feel a little bit embarrassed. So then, what I would do is just say, group them all. And we would, at that time, I was just using something simple, just Google Slides, and I would group them together and they would work together as a team and then they present. So then we started getting into Screencastify. So then I wanted them to start recording and voicing over their slides. And it was just wonderful because number one, the engagement was there, the students took ownership and because they wanted to kind of do a little bit better than their other friends, the quality of the work was just really great. They really stepped it up a notch. And then when I told them that I wanted to share some of these things, not only with our administrators, but with uh, their parents, Oh man, they, they were just like, you know, mm-hmm. on point. Uh, one story that I would love to share though, is I, we had a set of twins in our, in our uh, pod that we had, we were uh, fifth grade teachers. One student was, or one of the sisters was in another pod. One of the sisters was with me. Uh, they weren't uh, you know, very uh, proficient in English. So we started doing video projects and she was very shy very shy. She never liked to participate. But when I put a Chromebook in front of her and I asked her to just create and they're creating these projects, that young lady spoke loudly with the content that she created because her presentations were wonderful. Her English, the typing and everything was great. And then as I pushed them to go up and start presenting, she started developing her language. And her language just simply skyrocketed compared to other teachers where they were just giving handouts and not really giving participation to the students and things of that sort. So it was a big difference. And again, so creating content definitely has added value to your classes. And so I just really share that with you that I, I just really feel that if you yeah, are. I,
1: yeah, I. I agree with you, you know, 100%. And I think one of the points you started to talk about in the beginning, and honestly, I started thinking about Kahoot is I'll have students research things for digital leadership, make videos, and then afterwards make a quiz to go quiz other students. Mm -hmm. The kids know the content cold. Like they played their Kahoot so many times before they would share it with the other students. I think the same thing happens when you create media. I mean, you can create something really quickly. It might not come out terrific, but if you give them enough requirements to put in it, um, I really think that um, you know students do well with it. And the other point you were bringing out, which I think is like an underestimated point is, you know student emotional learning. I mean, I have students on, that go on the TV show and sometimes I always tell this that you get the most gregarious, sometimes talkative student, and then you might get them on air and they're like a deer in headlights. But then the opposite is also true. A lot of the time, the kind of in you know person who's a little more settled back, maybe doesn't raise their hand in school. I'm even surprised they want to be the host of the show. They want to be the weather person and announcer. They get on camera and they shine. And then I get teachers in the school along with students, but teachers like, was that that kid that I had in sixth grade that now is like the host of the show in eighth grade and all the confidence that they're showing and you know it it really it really comes through and. As we know, a lot of people are introverts and some of the most famous people who have been on TV, I'm thinking of like a David Letterman, is total like introvert. He didn't even talk to the guest when they went to a commercial, but then boom, the minute the lights came on, you know, like his true personality, uh, you know, came out. So I do agree with you, you know, and the thing is this media process to make something can be anything, okay? It doesn't necessarily, I think some people think of, oh, now I have to go create a five or 10 minute film, no. Mm It could be a 30, 60 second short thing as people get more into podcasting in schools. Um, also, podcasting is terrific. It doesn't even have to be video. Anything that the students are creating, you said in Google Slides, which I'm you know, a big fan of, you could do almost anything in Google Slides. And I think that creation piece and working in partners, and there's a really important point. If you take a look at future skills from 2015, to 2020, 2025, well, guess what skills are creeping up and up? Problem solving has always been number 1, but creativity went from number 10 to number 3 over a 5-year period. So, you know, places of work, whatever it may be, even if you don't do broadcasting, they're looking for people that have these skills, can work with other people, can do problem solving, they're creative, you know, all of these things together. And for me in my own lens, I look at that as like a home run. Everyone should be creating media because it doesn't matter K through twelve what level you're in, if they're creating the media and then sharing it, and then for me, the highest level really is teaching it to other students or to the teacher, you know, that's that's amazing. I mean, that's a, a place where you want kids to get. And I've seen in my own classroom and I'm sure you saw it when you had the cows and the and the carts. I mean, the engagement is through the yes. roof. You have kids of like, the period's over, I don't need to go. No, you do need to go, the 48 minute period's over, you need to go to your next class, but you can continue during the day or maybe after school, uh, you know, whenever they're continuing the project. So, you know, I really think, you know, that problem-based learning, come up with a question you want them to answer is one way, or the simplest, you know, with WeVideo, whatever tool you're using, just do this after a science experiment. Don't yeah. do the lab report. Just talk into the camera. What did you learn about the lab report? What part did you use? What was the hypothesis? And go through whatever the teaching skills are the teacher wants to do. Um, you know, they could do they could do through video. And um, face it, you know, we know through YouTube and everything else, it's a video world with millions of hours of content being uploaded every single day. Uh, there's a reason for it because even as adults, if We need to figure out how to go fix something. We're probably not going, even if there was a manual, we're going to the video to figure out how to do it.
0: Yeah. And so I, and that's something that's great that you said, because I mean, oftentimes I'm always on YouTube trying to figure things out or if I need to fix things or something new or some new tech tool, whatever it is. And what I love about the video creation, when I started doing it, you you know, towards my, my last year there in the classroom before getting into this position was just the ability to, that you were giving the students to able to pause play and rewind at any time of your lecture you know in case they miss something they miss some notes because in the classroom they're not going to want to raise their hands they're not going to want to single themselves out you know they get self-conscious maybe they don't want you know what is somebody going to think if i ask a question but here through the video process as a teacher you know giving them that option they can pause and play at any time review anything then they can either send me a question through a Google Classroom or, you know, and answer those questions. But what I loved about it, it, was just the collaboration that I started seeing taking place, not only in the classroom, where a lot of students really found um, you know, students that normally would not maybe you know hang out or talk to each other, they started finding out that they had more in common than they even knew because they were collaborating on projects together. And then that uh, collaboration extended outside of the classroom during Google Classroom where a student would have a question. And then instead of me being able to answer, because maybe I wasn't able to answer on time, the students were already taking care of each other and they start building up those collaboration skills, critical thinking skills, creativity. And it was just something that is amazing. So, yeah, no, yeah,
1: that I, I mean, I agree with you. And I found something that's worked well with the TV show. And there's thousands of different ways to do a student-produced TV show. But I happen to give them choice. So in the beginning, when they, the very first day of class, they see all the jobs that they possibly could do. And they get to choose. Do they want to be behind the scenes? Do they want to be in front of the camera? Exactly what do they want to do? And I kind of keep the same focus when I put students in groups is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of careful to tell them, you know, these are the four jobs and these are the four jobs you Mm -hmm. have to do and let it be a little bit more organic of, you know, here's what I want you to produce and, you know, here are all the things that I want you to do. Now go do it instead of, you know, pigeonholing them in a way Mm -hmm. sometimes of saying like, I need one person to be the host, one person on camera, one person to do this. Um, And I'll get students all the time and they'll say, I really don't feel comfortable, you know, going on camera. And I'm like, that's totally fine. Just do the voiceover and get pictures or, you know, stock image from WeVideo works fine. Mm -hmm. And your your voice, I mean, sorry, your video doesn't need to be on there. And I think there's a lot to be said for, obviously your rapport with students you have in the classroom, but also almost like media safety. You know, like you want them to feel safe and confident I don't want to set them up for failure and say, no, no matter what you want to do, you have to go on and you have to be the weather person once a week on the TV show, and you're going to like it. Like for me, that's the opposite effect, you know, that, that what I want to do. I want them in middle school to experience everything. And then in high school and beyond, if they choose it, it's great. And as we know in life, they also might come into my class and say, you know, being on camera is not really for me, or I want to go into a different area. And that's That's also fine. You know, it's a chance in middle school, especially try as many different things as you can and then, you know, pick what you like to do. That's a little bit more elective based maybe in high school.
0: Yeah. So that's wonderful. And like I said, just we can talk for hours about the power of creating content because I I just have so many experiences through that. And I'm sure you do as well as we've been talking about it. So it's definitely a a great, great use of tools. And I know you've been mentioning some tools. I know I said some tools, you know, you know, Screencastify is out there, just something simple for teachers to be able to use. But, you know, we're talking about WeVideo and, you know, let's go ahead and give WeVideo a shout out here because they definitely have a great product. And uh, Bruce and I are both WeVideo ambassadors. Just (laughs) so shout out to WeVideo. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And I know we've got a couple of ambassadors here in the chat as well. So um, go ahead and uh, you know, give us your experience through WeVideo in the classroom, Bruce. What are some of the things that students can be able to do You know, if you want to go over a couple of things here on the platform? I have been sharing your site, guys. I have been sharing Bruce's cool. site and I'll pop it in there as well. And you can find a lot of resources in here as well. Uh, with uh, we Video, G Suite Tips, School TV Studio Brain Pop Coasters, and a lot of great stuff that Bruce has here. So go ahead and check out his site. All right, so let's talk a little bit about we Video. I mean, I've been having a lot of fun with it. So here's
1: my, you know, we Video story. I'm lucky enough, the district that I work in, uh, we've had one-to-one for maybe 14, 15 years now. And the first six or seven years, we had iPads, which were terrific. And the iPads, we used iMovie to make the media. Uh, four years ago, we switched over to Chromebooks, and at the time, every single program you could do on the iPad, you could do on the Chromebook, except for at the time Google Earth because they didn't have a website mm-hmm. yet. And the other big one was video production. What were we going to use for video production? Because iMovie is software; it doesn't go onto a Chromebook. Um, you know, it never will. And you know, what could we look for? So I, we looked around, and luckily enough, when we bought and went to the one-to-one initiative. Uh, we there was a bundle that we got We Video Explained Everything and Soundtrap came together on the 900 Chromebooks that they got to for the students four through eight and the teachers. And my learning kind of had taken off with We Video. And honestly, in the beginning, so many students and teachers were used to iMovie that they were mm-hmm. like, I don't know about this We Video thing because I'm not sure exactly where all the tools were, even though they were there, mm-hmm. they were in you know different places. And I've really taken off with it. I found WeVideo to be a great product. Um, They keep expanding it. And as a teacher, first and foremost, I do appreciate it's in the cloud. So I could be on my phone. I could be on a Chromebook. I could be on a tablet. Any device, it will work. I could upload any media. And that was much different than iMovie. You know, classroom management-wise, iMovie, if a student was out, and they were always in groups. I had to go look up the password for computer number one, if that's what they were on, and then log the other student in. Well, now with WeVideo, they could be set up as a collaborative group. And even if students aren't absent in my school, they're in enrichment, they might be in band, basic skills, different things during my class period, and their partner needs to continue. So I think the biggest thing in WeVideo is that it is in the cloud. You could do it on any device. And then the other thing, my experience that I enjoy is, it's evolved. So I've only only used it for four years. Four years ago, there was no stock library. You had to bring in all of your own content. Um, And the stock library or um, essential library, as they called it, just to give people an example, it started with zero. And then all of a sudden had 100,000 and 100,000 copyright free video clips, images, and audio clips then 200, 500, now they're over 1 million clips. Mm-hmm. And that basically for a teacher of me, like said, I'm not I'm not even using Google image search anymore. Every single asset that we get has to be done in WeVideo because I know it's gonna be copyright free. Mm-hmm. I also know it's gonna be safe. It's right within you know, their platform. And then as they keep adding things, so they've added animated GIFs or GIFs, whatever you'd like to say uh, about a month ago, They've added in um, the podcasting, which they always had, but you could never export out as audio. And then also the screencasting. Um, so they really have evolved. And as you see on the screen, you get to pick those four choices right in the beginning. Uh, you know, when you go to start a project. And, you know, in terms of the overall like tech tools for me, I like, you know, just keep it simple. So give me Wii Video, give me Wakelet for curation, and give me Google Tools, and I'm good. I know there's tons of other tools that you could use, a lot of terrific third-party tools. But for me, and as we're looking at WeVideo in here, there's that stock media that you can go mm-hmm. search. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not just video clips. You know, In fact, there's an audio tab, transition tab, background tab. What well, I found, if you go into stock media, sometimes you're a little better off just searching, like just type in backgrounds where you are right now. And there might be 15 backgrounds WeVideo has, but there are hundreds of backgrounds that are in the stock media library. So I still go to the main menus, but I find myself more and more as a user myself and telling the students, just go try the stock media library for everything first, before you even might, you know, try some of those other tabs because they'll give you more choices. Uh, To give you an example, like I was producing at the end, these music videos that the music teacher would do, which were unbelievable of sixth grade students playing these different, you know, Phantom of the Opera, different songs that they were all doing remotely. Well, in the beginning for the titles, I need to get audio clips. So I would go in and I could just search for audio clips and get down to just music beds and be able to find them. You're showing, which I really like, um, you know, the green screen, I like doing a whole thing on, you could do green screen without a green screen at all. If you just type in green screen, there's tons of them. Uh, Fonz, when you're in a green screen news, and there's tons of different um, news stations that are on there. And you basically take out the green, you pop yourself in, and you're in a professional newscast that either you or better yet, your students are producing and the backgrounds uh, are all done for you. And again, this comes as all uh, products are. There is a light side, a free side to Video. This is the full education version that you're looking at now. But I think it's totally worth it because you can go buy a Chromebook, which this works on perfectly, you know, $150, $200 economic Chromebook, and WeVideo will run, you know, like no problem. And I've done tons of workshops in the past and people say, yeah, but we have to pay for it, which is true for the premium version. However, if you're using iMovie just to compare, iMovie is free, but you're buying over $1,000 something, either MacBook or tablet to use it on to begin with. Um, and again, I have found my own experience in the past four years, it's been very fluid of just adding in all of these extra things we video where iMovie was a little bit more stagnant the last couple of years uh, that I used it. What you're showing now, which is great is in the my media, you can import things in, uh, you can record just for um, uh, screencast and then also narrate uh, you know just for podcasting and i really think that people don't realize like to do a podcast with students i think a lot of it which is important is brainstorming it planning it writing it have them just do a short public service announcement of 30 or 60 seconds and go record themselves and if they don't like it they can re-record themselves a couple times put in you know a picture or two with it and export it out and your and your podcast is done so i think the workflow in we video and that's what also drew me to it it's just very simple to use and to do and once you know where everything is um, and you know the landscape of it um, it definitely is uh, you know is a terrific tool. While you're there also just show them because I always forget that when you're done putting your project together, click on the finish um, rectangle and then this shows you all the different ways that you can it might make you name up name it something first or put something in. Um, and then there are all different ways now that you can export it out. And we happen to be um, a no. Google school. So we generally go into um, our Google drive and then also export out, uh, you know, to the Google drive. Yeah, you might need to have one, at least one asset there. And it might ask you to save it before you, uh, you know, before you go and finish it. So it's, it's an excellent tool. The other thing to point out here is like they're exporting Uh, video, audio only is the podcast. Someone said, it's a hard G. All right. All right. (laughs) Whatever you like, either one. And then it gives you the flexibility of the resolution. We go in and out of Google drive in a, in my school, but you could see the other icons that are there. Uh, the other thing I learned this summer is those thumbnails that it gives you, uh, you could do more than those three thumbnails. Once you export it out, there is a way, a tool that you can go in, right in WeVideo, and you pick whatever thumbnail you want. It doesn't have to be one of those three thumbnails uh, that they that they suggest, uh, you know, in the beginning. Um, and it, I really think it's a terrific tool. I just like Wakelet and some of these other companies. Uh, they have a great community online. They're listened to the educators, and they've taken a lot of our advice as ambassadors and educators of. Things that they could do to improve Video. and I think they've added um, they've added a lot of those you know tools in it. Um, here's something else I appreciate when you were like exporting out, or even when you're uploading clips, which we do from the video camera. It always exports in the background, so you can continue yeah. working on that computer. You're not you don't have to stay there uh, you know stay there the whole time. So yeah, I mean, as an amb- as an ambassador, but even more as a teacher. I really think, you know, we video is the way to go for a tool because it's not specific to any device. And in fact, you could have students start recording on their cameras and then export it to their be connected to their drive and then continue it with anything that they on any device they want. Maybe they have a Mac at home, a PC at home, whatever it may be. They can continue, uh, you know, working, working on that project. Um, so I, I think we video is the way to go. As I mentioned a couple of times too, and I know GEG global, they've done shows on it. I'm also a big fan of wakelet, put everything in the wakelet myself for PD. And then I've also gone and just done a school wakelet to keep it. So it's not as busy that it just has my, uh, has my classes in it and students could go to it and see all the resources, uh, resources that they need. So, my other thing I would say with tools and what I started with Fonz is also just like keep it simple. Stay out yes. of like the fear of missing out because you know there's no way that nobody can know all of these tools. Use what you're comfortable with, and really over the summer, whatever level you're at, learn one. Like just learn one and maybe learn it well that your school uses and your students use, and um, you know some of these different tools which are terrific. Um, in my own world where I only have 20 classes in a marking period, I wouldn't even have time to use all of these different uh, third-party tools. So I've kind of, my, on my own workflow, tried to make it easy to say, if it's not a Google tool, if it's not Wakelet, if it's not WeVideo, those three things, I can have the students create anything in, You know, I'm gonna stay with those three and maybe dig a little bit deeper with those three tools instead of learning 20 different tools know three of them and of course it's a wild card with google tools because there's so many you know different tools within that one tool uh but those could do those could do everything that i need them to do
0: perfect yeah and like you said sometimes it's like you just got to keep it simple and i know uh, uh monica burns like back in the day i heard her always say it was like task before apps so what exactly is it that you're trying to accomplish that way you can find the right tool or the right set of tools. That can help you accomplish. And of course, we all know about app smashing, where you know you can integrate several tools to just create some amazing products. And uh, you know, for students uh, in that sense, and projects and so on. But it's definitely very important that you just don't uh, that you're intentional with the way that you use the tools, and you're just not you know bringing in the next shiny thing and trying to stay relevant. And just so we can post it on Twitter and say, "Hey, look at what my kids are using." Yeah, but like, are they really using it well? Are they really going in depth with it? Are they really using it to the full extent that it has? And so those are some of the things that we need to consider as teachers as well before we go out and start purchasing things. Is it something that is going to be able to be managed by our school? Is it something that our school is going to be willing to pay for? Uh, Because we all know that we do face those barriers. So always find the best thing that works for you. And for your students, so you can go ahead and get the results that you're looking for and still giving the students that ability to have voice and choice and be able to create. So those are just some things to kind of talk about there too as well.
1: Like a big thing that also popped into my head is, you know, digital, I end up teaching all the, the nine different types of digital citizenship and digital balance is so huge of, you know, are you balanced in your life and also the balance of like people that have technology and people that don't have technology Mm -hmm. and the digital divide. And the digital divide is huge. I think not only in the country, but the world. I think the latest said 40% of the world has technology, which when you look at at its face, you say, that's terrific. 40% have Wi-Fi, 40% have some type of device. But if you take a look at the other side of it, that means 60% don't. So I think sometimes, and I thought about this when you were saying with the tools, you know, you might not want to use technology at all. You know, I think of a story of a first grade teacher who, you know, had her kids in my computer lab for four weeks typing something out so she could put it up on the bulletin board, and you know what? That might not have been the best tool. A better tool mm-hmm. might have been for them to practice their handwriting and get that bulletin board up in like the next hour instead of <laughs> taking a full month, you know, to be able to do it. Um, and I really do think of people in like the digital divide of people that don't have, and they might have some technology at home if they happen to have a cell phone or something that could take a picture. I know people have leveraged even that technology mm-hmm. just to add things in you know, um, through their phone. Um, so definitely it is, it is the curriculum first. And you know, the tool is just gonna be a tool that you use. And it doesn't really matter to me what it is. It's more the content creativity of whatever the student is creating, more than, you know, here's the shiny tool or the five tools that I use to create it. If just one tool was better, then, you know, then just go with one.
0: Of course. All right, Bruce. Well, let's go ahead and talk about some personal projects here. Uh, I mean, we had a great chat, and, uh, you know, hopefully all our audience members here got some great information about, you know, video creation tools and things of that sort but I want to go ahead and give you some time to talk about your personal project. I know that you have a book that will be released this fall, so I'm really looking forward to it. And so go ahead and tell us a little bit about your book and, you know, what who the audience is, what's it about and uh, any collaborators in it as well.
1: Definitely. Well, you won't be surprised that the book actually starts out as like a social media story that I wrote the book with two other authors. Uh, Randy Tomes is from Indianapolis, Indiana, and Paula Neenlinger is from Plymouth, Indiana, right by Notre Dame. And five years ago, and you'll appreciate this, I'm on Twitter and I see, uh, Paula Neenlinger, she's at P Need N E I D, and I'm like, wait a second, this is a middle school teacher that I have a TV show, she has a TV show, that's great. Wait a second, she has a radio station, she does a movie festival, the kids do public relations, they go to, uh, places in their neighborhood to- do commercials that they then play on their radio station to fund everything. This is someone that I need to talk to. So, five years ago, I connected with Paula on Twitter. And then uh, last September, she asked me if I wanted to write a book with her. And also, Randy Tomes is an elementary teacher who Paula had actually shown how to do something called Backbone Radio, which is an internet radio station that you could get in your school. And they were like, Do you want to write a book? And honestly, Um, This is not a bucket list thing at all. It was just an adventure that found me. And I'm like, sure, I'll write a book with the two of you. And the whole book is written from our firsthand personal knowledge and experiences in the classroom as media teachers. And we go through all of the different parts that you'll need really to create media from planning, to budgeting, to hardware, software. Um, Our biggest chapter, which you won't be surprised, is on curriculum. Uh, talking about all different projects that you could do uh, kindergarten through 12 and you could upscale or you could make it go down to any grade level. And really the premise of the book is pretty simple, that anyone can create media and you don't need to have a whatever thousand dollar studio, radio or TV studio to create media. If you have your phone, if you have um, a Chromebook, if you have any device and a camera and a microphone, you are ready to go. So, the book is written from that lens. And we hope that the book is really like a recipe book for educators of, okay, I wanna do a public service announcement. I could go to this page. It has the full written out lesson plan. It has a rubric to go with it. These are different ideas of of what I could do with it. Um, So that's the idea of the book. And actually we were able to move up the date of the book. So the book will be coming out August 11th, 2020. Um, So I think that's in 42 days, the last time that I checked today, and we're just trying to get out the word of it, and the other thing I'm telling people about the book is, this is not, if you're looking for a research-based book on doing TV production, this is not it. This is a book from three educators of exactly what media projects they have done kindergarten through 12th, and it really is written educator to educator, and um, I've read tons of books, and they're terrific, that they visited other schools or maybe spoke to other teachers and interviewed them and compiled stories. And this is kind of the opposite of that. This is our personal experiences that we break into different chapters. And just to give you an idea, and now you know me well enough, the first two months that we spent writing this book, I don't think we wrote a word. I think we wrote because we're like, what microphone are you using? You're using a Sony PX370 to you know, record students instead of using a regular microphone. Uh, Randy Tomes uses that with first and second graders, and a little tiny, it's about this big, digital recorder, it reminds me of the flip cameras a lot, It's a has a flip USB in the back of it, mm-hmm. so after you record, you go right into a Chromebook, and then um, the audio is uploaded, and I found it helpful with middle school students, so there's no other sound at all that they could record with these little digital recorders, put it in a Chromebook, and upload, you know, right to Video. Um so we're excited that the book's coming out. We're very happy that we have EduMatch Publishing, who is Sarah Thomas, who is publishing the book. And um, we can't wait for everyone to uh, you know, get a copy of it. I'm gonna share with you, and I, could, I think I could share and put into the chat. I'll put in now um, a link that will, um, if people wanna get more information on the book, um, at this point, we've set up a Google form um, that people can fill out. And that will tell them uh, more information uh, about the book.
0: Oh, um, I can go ahead and do it, Bruce. I'm already on your site, so I can do okay. it for you. Yeah, on the on my PD
1: site, the top orange banner, which I didn't realize Google sites now it's cool. You could do a banner if you just click to the right of it. That gives you the Google form that people can fill out, uh, you know, about the book. And I really do think it's going to talk to all educators and teachers that are in the classroom. And the other point of the book thank you for showing it the other point of the book is really we wrote it because we couldn't find anything you know we were looking for a book the three of us that we could use um to show uh to use for different projects and we couldn't uh we couldn't find anything we did find a lot of really good books from 2005 2010 But because technology changes so quickly, there wasn't really no guide that was updated uh, for us. And that's also kind of like the starting point of the book for us is, you know, this is 2020. Here are different tools that everybody uh, can use. We're also very um, happy and lucky that uh, Wakelet with uh, MISBA has written a portion of the book. Uh, Dr. Nathan Rad from WeVideo has written a portion of the book and also Backbone Radio um, who is the internet radio station that Paula and Randy use? They have also written a section in the book, and the sections that they wrote are specific to how can schools use this. Like, why would you use Wakelet, WeVideo, or Backbone Radio? And kind of from their lens, saying exactly, you know, why you would use uh, their project pro- uh, products. Sorry, you know, in the classroom, and you know, the final thing really about the book, which you know, the lens we were looking through is, again, just use what you have. You don't need to go out and buy the $5,000 video switcher and all these expensive cameras and other equipment. You can build up to it. And if I were to show you the first show that we did on the analog cameras 13 years ago, compared to the show we do now with the 4K cameras and green screen, it looks totally different and that's okay. And I think that's the fun of it, of having the project evolve from, you know, a little tiny show with the announcements and, you know, bump it out and make it and make it bigger and bigger. Um, so we're really excited. The book is called Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom. And again, it's by EduMatch. It will be out August 11th on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And I think the pre-order is two or three weeks before. So probably the end of July, the uh, the pre-order will be available. And the, important, the other important part of the book the three of us felt really strong about is there's a big glossary also in the back of the book of even if you get into doing video or radio production with your students, here are certain terms that you might want to use. And that's especially helpful elementary, middle school mm-hmm. that by the time they get to high school and they're working in a pre-college program to maybe do broadcasting for a living, you know, they're using terms like, I'm going to shoot in thirds, I'm going to have a lower third as the title and kind of have the same vocabulary you know, all up from K through 12, if, you know, school districts, uh, you know, were using this book, and a lot of teachers were using lessons from the book.
0: Perfect. Now, what I love about this is, like, I'm really excited that you said, it's just a book for teachers by teachers. And I know sometimes, you know, you do find some resources that are out there. And there's a lot of just great educators that are out there. But sometimes it's, uh, you know, you, you really, you know, just see yourself like, for example, you know, you telling us about these tools, you know, it gets me really excited because I hear your experience. And the way you say that you're not going to need the biggest, uh, greatest thing that is out there will show you how to use and leverage what you already have to go ahead and complete or do these projects, which is for a lot of districts, that is, or for a lot of teachers, it could be music to their ears. As we know that, you know, sometimes budgets can just, you know, be a barrier to getting, you know, some of the things that programs may need. But the fact that, you know, you can still make wonderful projects through what you already have. That's definitely useful. So thank you, Bruce, for doing that because we definitely need more educators. And I know that there's a lot of educators, especially here in the chat and everywhere that are doing just great things and just sharing with the experience that they have, how they've been resourceful and been successful in leveraging what they have for, uh, obviously, in the end, it's going to just help the students continue to grow. So that's something that's wonderful. Yeah, no, I'm really excited.
1: No, thank you so much. And I think the important part, and it's right in the book, and like I said, curriculum is the biggest chapter in the book is let the curriculum drive the projects, not the other way around. You know, like start with your curriculum first, and -hmm. then maybe the second caveat might be, and start small. Like you're gonna Mm -hmm. have someone, you know, record their whole science project, you know, the whole science lab that they did, let them just start with a 15 second hypothesis, you know, record audio or video of you doing that, and then build it up. And then teaching wise, as the teacher, you can also take a look at, see what the students produced, show them exemplars of ones that they did and say, look, this is an amazing hypothesis that someone came up with that they recorded. I might not have even thought about this. And you could use their work, you know, to show them samples. We also have um, a hashtag. The hashtag is scripted edu is the hashtag for scripted educators, scripted edu. We have our Website and Wakelet site being constructed right now. Um, like as I speak, it's not live yet. Um, but Fonz, we're really excited with uh, Wakelet partnering with us. We're going to be the first full book that it's going to have a Wakelet companion site with it, meaning All
0: right.
1: that every updated resource, because it is true what I said about the technology books before, we did not write this book last week and now it's coming out August 11th. We wrote it last September. So there is a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. We will keep updated on the Wakelet site. We also have a great idea of making a collaborative folder on the Wakelet site to see what people create. And the other cool thing, if people have gotten into Wakelet that you could do is you can use an embed code to actually copy what's on Wakelet and let it run our regular site for the book. And there's a lot of colleges and universities that do this for their own websites. So basically in the background in Wakelet, you can dynamically update your main website through the Wakelet page. And my favorite thing is just with you know your phone, yeah. if you find something cool and a great site, you could be like, all right, let's put that up in a folder on the scripted edu uh, Wakelet site. And then it will go over to the scripted educator website and be like a very simple, uh, very simple workflow. Um, and we're going to try to use all the different tools in Wakelet, make videos with Flipgrid shorts and all the rest. So people can learn more and more, uh, you know, about, about the book. And like you said about me a couple of times, which I appreciate is I'm a person who wants to learn, share, teach it, and then repeat. I think that theme will continue, you know, with the book that, We can't wait for people to get the book August 11th. And even more so, a lot of people in our country and other countries, they start school the beginning of August. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like the Northeast where I am where we all start Labor Day. I really can't wait to see what people start creating because my hunch is that people are going to create things and we're going to be like, Randy, Paul, and I are going to be like, wow, I wish we would have thought about that, (laughs) like in our classroom to create it. Uh, Because again, the content is driving it. So there's tons of different, you know, projects that you could do with it.
0: Oh Bruce it's just been just great being able to chat with you and like I said uh, everybody our audience that's listening this is definitely has it has been an ed camp a 24-7 ed camp (laughs) during this time and I'm thankful for all the connections that I've been able to make and Mr. Bruce, Bruce Reicher was one of the connections. Bruce I want to apologize for really messing up your name at the very beginning. I do apologize. Oh, no worries. That. I'm sure you get that a lot, but I should have been a better host and asked at the beginning just to make sure uh, I pronounced it correctly. But Bruce, it's just been really a pleasure uh, being able to have this conversation with you, get to be with you one-on-one and just really you, you're showing that passion that you have for what you do and just the, the wanting to share that is something that is very unique in the in the education circles you know being able to just go out there and just share and say hey here are the tools that i've been using you know this is the way i've used them now you can take a little bit of this take a little bit of that make it your own and maybe you come up with something but it's just wonderful to have educators such as yourself and everybody that collaborated on the book with you to be able to help all our teachers that are out there that it's not i, I don't want to say this is specific to just media tech because I, this could be used in any classroom in any curriculum in any setting it is cross-curricular And I can definitely see so many ideas coming out from this and teachers doing some wonderful things that maybe they've never even thought of. So, again, I definitely recommend you do get the book. And Bruce is just very knowledgeable and everybody else that's taking part uh, in writing the book, also very knowledgeable in what they do. And I'm just excited. I know he said that there would be some signed copies, maybe somewhere along the way. Can you give us a little uh, info on that?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, we could we could take care of the signed copies after August 11 comes. I'll be more than happy to sign any copy, you know, for anybody. And I really think it's important if you if people are listening to this, too. And this might be me a couple of years ago. I'd be like, who's going to camp? Who's going to these ed camps? If you've never heard of these before, there are something called an unconference where mm-hmm. the vibe of it is like what we have right now. You know, it's totally different than a regular conference you might go to because all the people that are going to an EdCamp or an unconference become the presenters. And I really think right now is the time for PD that the EdCamp is virtual. Even um, EdCamp.org, they have a list of all their virtual EdCamps that you can go to. And it's incredible that you could be going to EdCamp Kansas, go to EdCamp California, wherever you want to go, you know, from, uh, you know, from the seat, uh, you know, in your home. But um, no, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, for me, and I think a lot of people who might be a media teacher or whatever role you have in your school, in my particular school, I'm the only computer apps teacher there is in the whole school. So you're pretty much by yourself. So I started six or seven years ago, getting involved in Twitter and social media and fonts to your point. That's where it's kind of not only a measuring stick, but you can learn and you could take back new things from the EdCams or from you know being online and social media. And my final point is, even if you've never used Twitter before, get on it. There are thousands of educators that are on it. And I think people really at their core, even people more than teachers, everyone, you wanna help other people. And I think that comes through so much of people that you meet who become part of your PLN on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, whatever you may be using. It seems like most educators are on Twitter, but any of those social media um, sites are also, you know, are also terrific. And don't be afraid. And I heard this other day; it might have been on your show too. Just ask any question because mm-hmm. what you think is a simple question that you know, other people might not know, and even mm-hmm. in my own context. Next year, I'm teaching two new classes, one on app creation, one on game creation. I am not an expert in either one of those, but hopefully in 2020, I know to leverage, which I did, put out on Twitter, put out on Facebook, mm-hmm. anybody teach that, anybody have any resources, and you know, in less than a half hour, I was in the boat of like, I have more resources than I could use, so I would encourage people, go online, You know, pick one or two of the groups, if it's a GEG group if it's an um, EdCamp group, if it's going on Twitter, one of those things to do. And for me and everybody else, it's hard. And just try to keep it balanced because you could do this 24-7 and do nothing else and obviously balance it out with your life and all the other good things that are happening.
0: Definitely. And that's a great point. You said just balance, balance, balance. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I just wanted to let you know I did pop in a link to the My EdTech Life Wakelet page where you can catch uh, or hear our previous podcast and see our previous shows. This last Saturday, we had our first show completely in Spanish with Pedro Aparicio. So this is a show that is going to be hitting the Spanish and English market. If I spoke more languages, I would definitely invite more people. But, you know, maybe there'll, there'll be a time where we can do this just in real time. But thank you so much for being here. And what I'm gonna go ahead and do also, guys, I'm gonna put in a a copy here or a link to a Google form. If you can go ahead and fill out this Google form for me and I'm gonna go ahead and choose three winners today, which you will win some EdTech swag here, my EdTech Life stickers. Bruce will be getting these in the mail. I've got the holographic sticker and just the regular sticker here, the die cut. So you will be getting three stickers here. So I will be choosing three winners. So go ahead and fill out that form. Guys, thank you so much for joining us and joining just this show as you know, this show has just been something that has been a work in progress for three years and we just got it up and running. Thank you for all your support. Thank you to all our viewers. And while you're here visiting us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to our channel for more great live streams, more great content. And thank you so much again, Bruce. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Big shout out to uh, GEG Ohio and shout out to at Eric Kurtz. Eric Kurtz, we <laughs> thank a shout out. You'll definitely get a copy of Unscripted for sure. So you all take care. Thank you so much for joining us. You all have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And don't forget, we do have a show tomorrow at 9 a.m. as well with Mary Alice Curran. We will be talking digital citizenship, what makes a good digital citizen. You don't want to miss out on that because that's going to be a great topic. And I believe she's from the East Coast also, Bruce. So I've got a lot of East Coast guests this week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she is. She's East Coast. She's from Connecticut. And I have a little tidbit on her, which is amazing. This year, I started teaching a digital leadership course for kids to go out and make changes, um, you know, in their communities with digital citizenship. And she has written a book on it, DigiSit Kids, and she is an awesome person. I DM'd her. She's like, yeah, I'll read your curriculum. I'll help you out with everything. So you're going to have fun with her tomorrow. She's terrific.
0: Yes, she definitely is. I'm really excited. So thank you, guys. And hopefully we'll see you here tomorrow. And in case you don't win today, I will announce the winners today. In case you don't win today, show up tomorrow. There will be plenty of chances. And then Thursday, we've got some visitors from across the pond. We've got Ben Moore and Darren White from Short and Sweet. Uh, They also are great leaders in the global GEG community and we'll just be talking things all tech. Saturday, 4th of July at 12 noon also, we're still going to have a show since our fireworks shows got canceled here. I don't know about everybody else, what you may be doing, but if you've got time at noon, we've got Javier Balan from Ciudad Obregón, Baja California Sur. That will be an all Spanish show and we will be talking about G Suite tools and how he helps the teachers in his community uh, grow with Google. All right, guys. So thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. You all take care and have a wonderful day. Bye.